This is Bigger Pockets Daily, expert advice for real estate investors. If you like what you hear, check out biggerpockets.com. I think you'll find a warm, welcoming community, a wealth of data to help you make the best decisions, and calculators to help you analyze deals. We make the blog articles available on this show so you can absorb the information while you're organizing the garage or remodeling your bathroom on this Saturday. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Is Debt Good or Bad? By Dave Meyer. A broad debate exists in the personal finance community about the value and use of debt. Some believe debt is harmful and irresponsible and should therefore be avoided at all costs. Others believe that debt is a powerful wealth-building tool and should therefore be embraced by those who want to improve their financial positions. So which one is right? Well, both are. Hmm. There are times when debt is harmful, of course, and there are other times in which debt can provide exciting wealth-building opportunities. In today's podcast, I'm going to break down the differences between types of debt usage and offer real-life examples of what should be considered good debt and what should be considered bad debt. First, what is debt? Before we get into how you can use debt to build wealth, it's important to fully understand the basics of debt. Debt is really just another term for borrowing money. When you borrow money with a loan, like when you take out a mortgage, you are assuming a debt that must be repaid to the lender. There are countless types of debt, but the basic premise of all debt is that a lender agrees to loan a borrower X dollars at Y interest rate. The borrowed amount is known as the principal. The interest rate, on the other hand, is essentially the cost of borrowing money. The higher the interest rate, the more expensive it is to borrow the money, 
The lower the rate, the cheaper it is to borrow. As a borrower, you want the lowest interest rate possible. It's also important to state the obvious here. When you use debt to buy something, you pay more than the list price for that item. If you buy a new TV for a thousand bucks at a 10% interest rate and pay it off after one year, you ultimately pay a total of $1,100 for the TV rather than $1,000, thanks to the 10% interest that's tacked on. And the same is true for good and bad debt. What is bad debt? I'm going to categorize any debt that is harmful to your long-term financial position as bad debt. But to be clear, this isn't a judgment of those who hold this type of debt. Almost all people, myself included, have used this type of debt, and many people rely on it just to make ends meet. I'm calling it bad simply because it is bad for your long-term personal financial situation. The way I define bad debt is the money borrowed to finance your lifestyle. This may be a payday loan to buy groceries or cover the costs of an unforeseen expense. Other times, this debt may be taken on to purchase something you want but don't have the money for, like a vacation, some new electronics, or a new wardrobe. To be clear, though, taking on bad debt doesn't necessarily mean you're buying something frivolous. It means you're buying something that won't help you pay off the debt. As such, this type of debt is harmful in two ways. The first is that interest rates on this type of debt are often extremely high, at least compared to other types of debt. Credit cards, for example, will typically have an interest rate at or over 20%, and the interest rates on payday loans can average between 15 and 20%. Those are extremely high interest rates, especially when you consider that the average interest rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage loan was averaging just 3.1% as of early December 2021. Comparatively, that is not cheap debt. And if you aren't careful, the amount you owe on this type of bad debt can quickly spiral out of control. If you need an example of how this happens, a $1,000 purchase turns into over $7,300 in debt over 10 years at a 22% interest rate. This is, of course, an extreme example because it assumes you're not paying off any debt over 10 years. But I wanted to demonstrate the key point here that debt compounds. The longer it takes you to pay off your debt, the faster your debt accumulates. You're accumulating $220 in new debt in year one with this example, which may not seem very high, but the key here is that the interest compounds. By year nine, you're accumulating over $1,000 of new debt annually on what you owe. That's more than the initial purchase. Given how much interest can add to what you owe, it's clear that carrying a balance on high-interest debt is a recipe for disaster. The second way that this type of debt is harmful is that it makes your lifestyle purchases more expensive. Using debt to make a purchase means that you're paying more on your purchase than if you paid cash. This can be okay if it's done from time to time. Over time, however, it can be truly debilitating. I'm generalizing here, of course, but if you are using debt to finance your lifestyle, it likely means that your financial position isn't very strong. And that's okay. We all start somewhere. My point here is this, that if you're using debt to finance your day-to-day -day expenses, 
chances are that you're not in a good position to pay off what you owe quickly. When you wait to pay off your high-interest debt, it's easy to find yourself in a downward spiral, one in which you owe more and more money. Let's look at an example using our friend Jessica. Jessica has a W-2 job that allows her to save $200 per month while covering her other expenses. Her gross income is $3,500. Monthly expenses, rent, $1,500, car payment, $400, groceries and essentials, $600, insurance, $200, student loans, $300, gym, $100, other stuff, $200. Her monthly savings, $200. That's great. Having the ability to save $200 a month is a good place to be at. But now let's imagine she has an unforeseen expense of $10,000, and she puts it on her credit card at a 26% interest rate. If she had continued to save the $200 per month rather than using it to pay down the debt, her net worth would sink over a period of 12 years thanks to the compounding interest on the $10,000 purchase. In fact, just due to the $10,000 purchase with 26% interest, her net worth would be about negative $126,000 after 12 years. Yikes. Now let's look at a more realistic scenario. Let's say Jessica used the $200 per month she was saving, which I increased by 3% per year for inflation, to pay off as much of the debt as possible. Even with that more aggressive repayment plan, she would still have a negative net worth of almost $99,000. That is debilitating debt. And remember, this is a scenario in which most months Jessica is living within her means and is making more than she spends. But the one-time big purchase that was financed by a credit card created years of financial distress. So, it's pretty clear that high-interest debt debt that doesn't do anything to improve your long-term financial position, should be avoided as often as possible. And again, I know many people rely on this, but you should try to do it as sparingly as you possibly can. Now for the fun part, good debt. It turns out debt can be really bad or really beneficial. <laughs> to me, good debt is defined as debt that is used to finance an investment, one that will help you make more money in the future. This type of debt can come in several forms. Student loans. The amount of student debt in the U.S. is absolutely insane, but when used properly, a student loan is an investment. Most college programs have a positive return on investment, ROI. Most college programs have a positive return on investment, ROI, as I recently discussed on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, which you can check out as well. And by taking on this debt, most individuals are making an investment that will help them earn a higher salary in the future. Business expenses. If you want to start a business, like a property management company, for example, you need materials. That could be tools, a truck, or anything else related to the company. If you use responsible debt to finance these purchases, this is good debt because they are an investment in your future. Real estate loans. This may be obvious to anyone who reads Bigger Pockets regularly, but using debt is the most common way to finance real estate acquisitions. And it is a very powerful wealth building strategy, too. To be clear, these loans do cost money, 
and by nature, the interest makes the purchases more expensive. But the difference is that these loans are also going toward the financing for money-making ventures. The key is to ensure that the money-making venture has high enough returns to help you pay off the debt and then some. The other thing to note here is that these types of loans tend to come with lower interest rates. Mortgages are currently between 3 and 4%. Car loans are typically under 5%. And federal student loans rates hover around 3.73% for 2021. That lower interest rate makes a huge difference. Not only do these loans help you earn money in the future, as opposed to just paying for everyday expenses, but they are also cheaper. In other words, it's much less expensive to use debt to finance an investment in yourself than it is to use debt to fund your lifestyle. Remember that. And that makes sense, right? Lenders, like banks, set interest rates on loans based at least in large part on the risk. The riskier the loan, the higher rate the lender typically charges. That helps to balance the risk-reward profile. As such, lenders typically see debt that is used to finance an investment as being less risky than debt being used to fund a lifestyle. When a lender funds a mortgage for a rental property, they know that property is likely to generate rent revenue that the borrower can use to pay off the debt. In turn, the borrower is typically in a better position to service their debt by taking on the loan. That's a good prospect for the lender, or in other words, safer debt. So they often lend at lower rates because it's less risky than it otherwise would be. On the other hand, when a lender loans money to someone for a lifestyle expense, the borrower is putting themselves in a worse financial position than they were before because they're paying more than list price on a purchase that won't make them any money. That is riskier for the lender, and the lender charges a higher interest rate to mitigate the risk. Let's look at two quick examples of good debt. First, let's go back to Jessica, who in this scenario takes out a $50,000 student loan at a 4% interest rate. This scenario is similar to the one before. The big difference is that instead of making $3,500 per month from her job, Jessica is now making $4,300 per month because she has a college degree. While Jessica's net worth starts deeply negative, in the course of just five years, she has a positive net worth. This is still a lot of debt, but because the debt went toward helping Jessica make more money, the debt was easily serviced and paid off in a reasonable time frame. Next, let's take a look at an example of using a mortgage to purchase a rental property. In this scenario, Jessica purchases a $400,000 rental property. She put 25% down, and the rest was financed with a mortgage loan at a 4% interest rate. Please note that this is a super simple deal analysis. This is done intentionally just to show you the benefit of debt. Okay, Jessica is taking on a huge amount of debt here, $300,000. That said, because her rental property generates enough rent to pay her mortgage note and break even on expenses, she can easily service the debt. Over time, Jessica's property appreciates in value, which I modeled here at 2%. It reaches a value of $487,598 in 10 years due to appreciation. During that same 10-year time frame, 
Jessica is able to pay down $63,648 on the principal and only owes the bank $236,352 when she sells the property after 10 years. When Jessica sells, her profit is approximately $151,000. This amounts to an annualized ROI of 15% per year. That's amazing! And isn't even factoring in cash flow. Jessica initially invested $100,000 in this scenario, which is just 25% of the purchase price of the property. But because the property grows in value over time, Jessica gets to keep 100% of the increased equity. As long as she pays her mortgage on time, she gets to enjoy the benefits of appreciation and loan paydown, as well as cash flow and tax advantages, which are not even discussed here. I hope you can see why this type of debt is beneficial. Jessica used debt to purchase a property that made her tons of money over time. Yeah, she paid the bank a lot of money and interest over 10 years, but that is the price of her investment, which made her a 15% annualized ROI. That's a great use of debt. Another thing to note here is that debt in regard to real estate investing can really scale. As long as you're using debt to purchase cash-flowing properties and properties that can service the debt, you can get more and more and more debt. Sounds risky. But if your deals are solid, it shouldn't be. I am personally millions of dollars in debt from real estate purchases, and I'm thrilled about it. That enormous amount of debt has allowed me to build a cash-flowing portfolio that builds equity over time. And with interest rates as low as they are, I am hoping to go further into debt in the near future. Final thoughts. While these examples are simplified to convey a point, it's important to recognize that all debt, whether it's good or bad, comes with risk. And that's true even if you're taking on debt to finance a degree, a new business, or a rental property. If you can't meet the obligations of your debt, you can put yourself into a terrible financial position and could even face bankruptcy. To avoid a negative outcome, you should only take on debt that you can confidently pay back. Don't use a mortgage to buy a home that doesn't result in cash flow. Make sure you have plenty of excess liquidity in case of an emergency. You shouldn't be using your last dollars each month to service your debt. You should have plenty of reserves in case of vacancy, big repairs, or some other large expense. Using myself as an example, all of my properties produce solid cash flow, and I have a W-2 job. So while there is always risk in investing, I feel confident that I will be able to service my debt even if large unforeseen expenses arise. The point here is that you shouldn't be afraid of debt. Debt is a critical wealth-building tool for people who use it responsibly, particularly in the realm of real estate investing. So learn more about it. Do your research, learn what types of debt are best for your needs, and only take on debt that is used to fund an investment into your future. All right, that's it for this show. But remember, we have a whole library of episodes with timeless information about how to grow your real estate portfolio so you can enjoy the life you were meant to live. Just tap all episodes in your podcast app or scroll back in the feed to check out an older but still evergreen show. Otherwise, dear listener, until tomorrow. <laughs>